Come on and praise Him. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Turn around, touch somebody. Hug their neck, shake their hand. Tell them you're glad to see them. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, are you blessed this morning? Hallelujah. We just rejoice. Thank God. Believe God. Our youth are coming back safely. Have a good trip. The bus is going to work right. And They'll have a good time. We're so glad to see each and every one of you. We bless you. Just believe you're going to leave here blessed today. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Look at you there and say, boy, you look good today. Glory. Good to see you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I tell you, every time I come back, I see more and more hot rods in the parking lot. Man, rawr, man just makes you rawr. just want to run around the church. Glory. God and pretend you got a muffler on. Hallelujah. We bless you. Just glad of what God is doing. We had an awesome time with the couples Friday night. If you haven't got to with the couples and seen how well behaved everybody is, you missed out on it Friday night. And then the singles, they had their bowling, and I know they had a good time. And um, I want to announce this coming Sunday night, next Sunday night, next Sunday morning, the first Sunday of every month. We have communion, and then that Sunday night, we're going to uh, be having a water baptism. Already have a number of people signed up. So if you want to sign up, please ask in the booth. We've got a number of people already ready to be water baptized. And I tell you, Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, last Sunday night, Wednesday night, it's just awesome been seeing the people give their lives to the Lord. And we just thank God that it's just awesome what he's doing and what he's doing in your lives. I want to share with you in Psalms chapter 37. Psalms chapter 37. So please sign up for that also. Beginning, I believe, next Sunday or the Sunday after, uh, we're having foundations class. We're going to be having some workbooks, and uh, it's going to be great to see. Uh, and and be, I want you to encourage you to be a part of that. You're going to be teaching the eight values out of Second Peter in the Christian's life, faith and virtue, love, patience. And it's, gonna, uh, it's just going to be awesome foundation. So I want to encourage you about that starting next Sunday at 9 in the morning. Psalms chapter 37. Verse 18, I'm going to be living in the, reading in the New Living. I want to encourage you with this. It says in Psalms 37, verse 18, and this is a word for the hour. Write this down and, and remember what it says. Day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent. Say that with me, day by day. You know, it is so easy. If you listen too much to what's going on and everything, uh, it's just so easy. What are we going to do about what's going to happen next week? What's going to happen next month? No, the Lord day by day takes care of the innocent. And you're innocent because he declares you innocent because you're justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. It says, and they will receive the inheritance that lasts forever. You've got an inheritance through salvation that's not here now. It does not. Jesus has the best policy that was ever made. It's a covenant ratified and stood behind by his blood. And it says in verse 19, they will not be disgraced in hard times. 
even in famine, they will have more than enough. Can you raise your hands and praise them? I mean, with all the bad news, I think this is some good news. In hard times, they'll have more than enough. Somebody shout out, greater is he that's in me. Hallelujah. They'll have more than enough. Verse 20 goes on to say, but the wicked will die, and the Lord's enemies are like the flowers in the field, and they will disappear like smoke. I don't want to be one of those. The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. Those the Lord will... Those the Lord blesses will possess the land, but those he curses will die. Verse 23 says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights, I love this, listen to this in the New Living. He delights in every detail of their lives. Is there some things you're concentrating on, some decisions, some things you're, you're uh, going through right now? He says, he delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, hallelujah. They will never fall, for the Lord holds them by their hand. Once I was young, and now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. The godly always gives generous loans to others, and the children are a blessing. Turn from evil and do good, and you will live in the land forever. For the Lord loves justice, and he will never abandon the godly. I thank God I belong to him this morning. I thank God that we have a covenant and we have an inheritance that lasts forever. It does not depend upon Senate or Congress. It does not depend upon China or any other country in the land. It depends totally upon the kingdom of God. And it's of his kingdom that we all have received. Deuteronomy 29.9 in the Amplified Bible says, Therefore keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may deal wisely. I mean, we need to deal wisely in these days. And prosper. Somebody shout out prosper. Prosper in all that you do. God says that I'm going to be there in every season that you can walk through. Every trial, every problem, every situation that arises against you, I'm going to be there to trust in you. It's just you obey, you do the word, you be faithful, and you'll find that I'm faithful. Amen. So I want the ushers to come forward. We're going to receive this morning's offerings and tithe. And we got some prayer requests we want to pray for. Father, we come before you in the precious, omnipotent name of Jesus. And Lord, I just pray right now, for, Lord, for those that are, are, are believing for their loved ones, that are believing for their own bodies, their well-being, their finances. We believe in the God of the impossible. Father, I, I lift up uh, Shalia right now, Deville, a type of myfoma in the brain. Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you cause healing to come to that brain. And that, Lord God, every symptom and sign of the sickness and disease cannot stand in the presence before he who sits upon the throne and says, Behold, I make all things new. Lord, I, I, I pray, Lord God, for each and every one who's believing for their brother, their, their sister, their mom and dad. I pray for miracles being done in the hospitals today. I pray, Father, that children are being raised up. I pray that reports from the, med the doctors are being changed and transformed into the report of the Lord, which we believe and trust. I pray for peace in the families who are going through some mountains right now. I pray in the presence of He who causes the mountains to quake and causing them to melt like wax. 
I pray before the God omnipotent, the almighty, the eternal, the ever present, the one who promised our eternal father that he'll never leave us or forsake us, the God in which signs and wonders are done through the mighty power of his hand extended upon those who believe. And we stand here today, not a people who live in a hope, but we are a people who believe by faith in the God in which nothing is impossible. We believe that you cause dreams and destinies to be restored. We believe that you cause bodies to be mended, bones to come alive, marrow to be healed, blood counts to come up. We believe that you're the God of the impossible. You give jobs when they say there are no jobs. You pay the bills when it seems like there is no way. You're the God who sent the ravens to bring bread and food to Elijah. You're the God who supplied three million people bread twice a day in the wilderness. You're the God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You're the God of your people. You're the God that stand behind your word. You're the El Shaddai, the ever-present help in trouble, the healer of our bodies, the restorer of our souls, the mend of brokenhearted. We praise you for the power of your glorious gospel. I thank you this morning for miracles in the lives of those that are even watching by internet. I pray that there is a power and anointing that flows in the spirit realm that touches. And even as there was anointing through the handkerchiefs of Paul, there's anointing through this camera and this internet to touch those all over this world, Father. Lord, bless the hearers today. Bless those here today. And we give you glory and praise in the name of Jesus. And let the church say amen. 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 God bless you as you pray. God bless you, brother. You're more than enough, more than enough. He is El Shaddai, the God of plenty. He's the all-sufficient one. He's Lord God Almighty, Jesus. Is more than enough. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. He is El Shaddai, the God of plenty, the all-sufficient one. He's Lord God Almighty, Jesus is more than enough. He is the God that healeth me, He is Lord my healer, you sent your word. To heal my disease You are the Lord My healer Let's worship Him You are the God That healeth me You are the Lord My healer You sent your word To heal my disease You are the Lord my healer you sent your word you sent your word to heal my disease you are the lord 
learn if he truly is the king of your life he's got it under control no matter what the devil throws at you he's more than enough in every area of your life beloved I wish above all that you may prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers in the Lord Days are filled with laughter, my heart has known your peace. There is far, yes, there is far to go, but in my heart there is a longing to look upon your face. Where you are is where I want to be. You are my king, you are the lamb, lion of Judah, seed of Abraham, the holy one, God's only son, you are the king of who I am. Every road, every road I travel down. You have gone before me You made the light to shine out of darkness I am looking for the day When I bow before you And lay my crown at your feet Everybody, let's sing it Oh, Jesus, you are my King you are the Lamb, the Lion of Judah, the Seed of Abraham, the Holy One, God's only Son. You are the King of who I am. You are the King of who I am. You are. King of who I am. Hallelujah. Thank you. Glory. Thank you, brother. I appreciate Brother Clayton. You know, this man is an evangelist. He's not ashamed to get on the parking lots and go different places and preach and sing the gospel. We bless you, brother. You've had a new little girl not long ago, huh? A new little baby. A little baby boy. Number six? Number... Oh, man. Glory to God. God bless you. I'd be singing them songs, too. <laughs> One thing I know you ain't singing is wasted days and wasted nights. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I tell you, my brother, he takes a stand. I, you, you got shot by an uh, uh, air pistol uh, uh, paintball gun, or they tried a while back, didn't they? Twi passing by? More than once. Thank God it's just paintball. Never get worse than that. But I tell you what, some people just can't stand the truth. 
Amen. But uh, we bless you, brother. Sure enjoyed you. Good having you. Hallelujah. Bless you, brother. Hallelujah. Good having each and every one of you this morning. Good to see some people we haven't seen in a while. We bless you. I want to encourage you to come back tonight. Tonight I'll be sharing um, some things in the book of Revelation. We had started a while back, and it's been a while since we've got into there. But also, uh, I've got an idea of what's going to happen in the future. And I'm going to show you, I believe that uh, we're going to inherit the creative power of God because it says we rule and reign with Him. And we're going to be given planets to create on. And I'm going to show you one of my planets. I've got a DVD to show you of the planet, one of the, one of the planets I'm going to build. Planet Godlywood. And I'm going to show it to you tonight. So anyway, you, if you come for anything, come tonight. We'll have a good time. Hallelujah. How many you know I've been sharing a few weeks now about joy? And it's so good to see. I see half, almost half the crowd smiling now. So by the time I finish this seminar, you're going to be rolling and you're going to be laughing. And you're going to be full of joy. Because the Lord wants to restore your joy today. He wants you to leave here to where it's not based upon natural things. But it's a supernatural divine gift of Him living inside of you. And one of the things I didn't get to last week, and I'm not going to continue because we've got to go on, but one of the things that is said in uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, uh, after we read through all those uh, other scriptures, was that they were supposed to leave their homes, set up a little brush hover, put, uh, put a few branches up, and, and camp out for a few days, and just have nothing but sit in the nature and enjoy God's creation. Stop being so busy and, and stop, it, it, stop depending on cable and internet and, and all these different things. You know, I was thinking when, when uh, I was small, uh, I don't know how y'all, but we had, you know, uh, those old floors. And uh, after mama would uh, uh, dry mop, dust mop those floors, our favorite thing was to get a towel out. When she was hiding, going somewhere, we'd get a towel out, and my brother and I would take turns sitting on the towel, and we'd run each other down the hall. And the funnest part of that was when you go to turn to curve, you do it real hard so they hit their head on the wall when they make a turn. That's what happened to my brother, you know, a little bit too much on the wall. But, <laughs> but, but you know, and, and how about when your mama would let you uh, put the kitchen table chairs upside down and tie... Uh, the sheet to it, and you and your brother got to camp out during night in the living room. I mean, those simple things. We didn't have Xbox. I mean, the, my son has an Xbox One, these things on it, and he talks to his friends while he's shooting them and killing them and all that stuff. I mean, they got everything today. We had sticks, sheets, and towels, and I think I was happier than my boys are with all that junk. I think we ought to just sell it all. Huh? Yeah, you're clapping, but it ain't your boys. <laughs> but, you know, we, we get so deep into what has to make us happy, like these new cell phones that came out, and then they already recalled because they're heating up on you. You know, everything we have to have, we think all these things make us happy. If I could just get this job, if I could just get this, if I could just have that. And you know what? Sometimes it's just sitting there, and, Lord, I praise you that I have all ten fingers. And I still have all ten fingernails. And if you don't have all ten of them, think over the nine. 
I mean, whatever it is, but the simple things. Lord, I thank you for my two eyes and that I can still see. I thank you for what the, everything, Lord, the blessings that you've given me. Don't have to be so deep that, Lord, I'll praise you when I get that new whatever you're believing God for. But, Lord, I just praise you for who you are. I thank you for living my life and that I'm saved. Amen. Now, I want to show you today. They already got it here in 1 Samuel. Don't rush me, guys. I'll get there sooner or later. Here we see in 1 Samuel chapter 30. I want to go back to Ziglag. Ziglag means a winding, circling road. Have you ever felt like your, wife just, your life just went in a circle? You think you're just getting out of something. It looks like you're in it again. And you're just wondering. Well, I wonder when it's going to get better. I wonder when it's going to change. When are things going to happen? Well, that's Ziglag. But we're going to get into there in detail. And it was attacked and burned with fire. Verse 2, they took all the women and the children uh, captive. They didn't kill anybody, but they took them. In verse 3, so David and his men came to the city, and there it was. Burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been captive. And I just want to stop at that point right quick. And I don't have it up there, so I apologize. But I want to read to you out of Isaiah 42, verse 22. So if you do have your Bibles, let's go back the old-fashioned way of doing things for this one verse. And let's look at Isaiah chapter 42, verse 22. And I want to share something with you. And I, I believe it's going to bring some answers to your life this morning. You're going to get something inside of your spirit. Because the Word of God is spirit and in life. You're not here to listen to a man, listen to me. You're not here to listen to me. You're here to listen to the Word of God being proclaimed out of a mouth of clay, but a living Spirit of God on the inside that grabs the Word of God and imparts it on the inside of you. And I want you to hear in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 22, But this is a people robbed and plundered. All of them are snared in holes. And that word snared in holes means enslaved, in prison, trapped. Have you ever felt trapped in a situation? And they are hidden in prison houses. They are for prey. And no one delivers. For the plunder, no one says, restore. Somebody shout out, restore this morning. Our king came to restore. And I want to show you a few verses about restoration because God wants to restore joy to you. In Isaiah 57, 18 through 19, for those who are enslaved, those who are wandering, those who are under pressure, listen to what it says here. I have seen his ways and I will heal him. I want you to hear all the verses on heal. The, the enemy really attacked our youth. The first night at camp, I got a, a text. One of the youth had to be rushed to the emergency room for, for a, a, a panic attack. And then three others had a stomach situation. And another had something else. And you get different reports of different things going on. But that's why I believe the enemy has fought so hard. One, for what I'm going to be touching on. But for another, is because he wants to come against your covenant of healing. And it says, and I have seen his ways and will heal him. I love the Living Bible. It says... And this is so good. It says, I've seen the way he is anyway, and I'm going to heal him anyway. Hallelujah. And I will also lead him and restore. Somebody shout out, restore. Restore, restore comforts to him and to his mourners. I love, I love that. I will comfort those who mourn. And I will heal them anyway. The next verse you see in Jeremiah 30 verse 17. Look what it says. Here it is again. I will what? What? I will restore what to you? Health. Shout it out. Health to you. And look what it goes on. And heal you of your wounds. Listen. Not only natural wounds. 
but emotional, soulish wounds. You see, you cannot go forward in the area of joy until the Lord supernaturally heals you of the wounds you've gone through, maybe because of life or through a divorce or through something that has just taken the wind out of you in some situation. You thought it would never happen to you or you would never have to go through it. But he says, I will restore health to you and heal you, says the Lord, because they called you an outcast. People called you a loser, born to lose, never to make it. But I call you my church, Zion. No one needs to seek her. Joel 2, 25 through 26 says, Everything that the locust, everything that the curse has tried to steal from you, he says, I will restore. And verse 26 says, You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously. Somebody shout out wondrously. He's not dealing with you badly or evilly or, or grungily. He, I have, he has dealt with you wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Somebody shout amen. amen. Ruth 4.15 looked like all was over for Noemi. And it says, and may he be to you a what? Restorer of life. Say that whole thing right there. Restorer of life. Just close your eyes right now. And in the name of Jesus, receive the restoration of health. Receive the restoration of the healing of your wounds. And receive the restoration of life abundantly. Just receive it right now by faith. By faith. In Jesus' name, for it is written. You are a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. Everybody knows Psalms 23.3. He restores my soul. Say that with me. He restores my soul. Once again, it says he leads me. That's the second time leading goes with restoration. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And Psalms 51.12. Oh, hallelujah. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Say that with me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Now I want you to see in 1 Samuel 30 verse 4. Verse 5 it says. It says. Then David and the people who were with him. Lifted up their voices. And wept. Until they had no more power to weep. Let's stop right there. Ziglag means a wandering. Going around in circle. Never getting anywhere alive. And it says they wept until they had no more power to weep. You know, when you have wept all the tears till there is no more tears to cry, you're in zigzag. When you've cried and you have mourned, and you still want to cry, but there's no more tears, you're in zigzag. Let me tell you something about zigzag that David didn't know. It was the lowest point in his life, but it was the last point before he became king. And three days later, the crazy, hating, murdering king that had chased him for over ten years, three days later, he was dead. And they called for David, and they made him king. You may be in a point where you have cried all the tears to where there's no more tears to cry. Have you ever been there? You've cried, and your eyes are swollen, and you've cried all your tears out, but yet there's no more tears to cry, and you think, I don't know what I'm going to do. You're zigzag. Ziglag does not mean the end. It means the setup for the restoration of what God, God wants to give you. And they've cried all the tears that they could cry. 
wept until they had no more power. You know, I, I, I see many times, even during the worship, you see in, in the internet people are, are weeping during worship, and then you see it while you're ministering. And, and the Spirit of God is moving. He's moving in this place. And our desire is, Luke 4.18, that He is healing the brokenhearted. That's one of our proclamations. There are so many people who have been wounded and hurt from so many different areas. Life is going on a devastation walk. And you're wondering, when am I going to get off of this, this devastation way? And the thing that is said there, it says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and daughters. You notice it didn't say nothing about their wives? And David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. The Holy Spirit just spoke something to me during worship about that. These men who was wanting to stone David, they had followed David for 10 years and made him their leader. But I started thinking about something. What would cause them to all of a sudden want to stone the one they made captain over them? It's because there was a wound in their soul through the last leader. And now they were in a place where it seemed like this leader wasn't going to get them any better off than the last leader. And the root of bitterness is something that you don't see because it's a root. You don't see the roots, you see the fruit. And when there's a root of bitterness, it'll manifest when things get rough. Instead of joy manifesting, bitterness will come up. And the doctors have proven that bitterness attacks the bones, it attacks the heart, it attacks the mind, it attacks with arthritis and rheumatism. I'm not saying that's the only reason that people go through these things, but bitterness has a way of getting into your soul and going through your body. And these men had a root of bitterness because all of a sudden they picked up stones and they said, we're going to kill him. We've been following him for 10 years. Ten years, ten years. Some of you may be here today and you say, you know what, I gave my life to the Lord six months ago, five years ago, ten years ago, and nothing's changed for me. I, I, I gave my life to the Lord. I've gave, I got married. I thought this one would work and things are getting any better. Listen to me. Don't you ever allow pains and hurts and, and sorrow and bitterness from the past cause you to start picking up something and not only getting bitter at your husband, your wife, or those around you, getting bitter at God. It's a fight to get the root of bitterness out, especially against God, because many times, well, you know, God promised me, and it just didn't come to pass, so, you know, God just doesn't love me. God's punishing me because of my past. That root of bitterness is manifest in so many ways. Why? Because the thing about depression and the thing about the absence of joy is, is the way the enemy goes around to try to keep you focused on the wrong things instead of focused on the answer. These men focused on killing David, and it wasn't even David's fault. Boy, you talk about a bad day is when your best buddies start picking up a rock and they have your name on it. You talk about something when somebody's got your name on a bullet like you see in movies, and they go, you're my target, you're, you're what I'm going to take it out, and I'm going to kill you. It says they were greatly distressed. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, I, I, I'm not my house, of course, but, you know, I've heard people talk about the hardest thing in life is when your kids are going through puberty, your wife is going through menopause, and you're going through midlife crisis. You know, there's a lot of stones you've got to hide in the house. Hide the shotgun, hide the pistol, because there's a lot of things going on. Can you imagine? David had already lived years in a cave with these guys on the run. And now they're talking about killing him and stoning him. I want you to write this down. Discouragement will cause you to lose perception. 
Discouragement will cause you to lose joy. Discouragement will cause you to lose hope. And discouragement and people will come around and try to discourage you and try to cause you to see things that are not and just try to pull you down when, you're the, when you seem like it's all the, at, at an end. Let me read a few things to you here today. There's a lot of trouble in this country nowadays and it seems everybody's trying to fix the blame instead of fix the trouble. Don't bother people by telling them about your troubles. Half of the people don't care and the other half figure you needed it anyway. There are two ways of meeting difficulties. Alter the difficulties or alter yourself. Those who can laugh at trouble must be having a hilarious time nowadays. <laughs> huh? Come on. You, you either laugh or you cry. Amen? Listen to this. Don't make your friends a dumping ground for your troubles. The ladder of life is full of splinters, but you never realize it until you begin to slide down. There's no such thing as a little trouble, especially if you're the one that's in it. Double trouble is a mother-in-law that has a twin sister. <laughs> a sign at a church bulletin board in Denver said, If you have troubles, come in and tell us about them. If you don't have any, come in and tell us why you don't have any. It is usually not so much the greatness of our troubles as the littleness of our spirit that causes us to complain. Maybe the Lord allows some people to get into trouble because that's the only time they ever think of Him. The man who smiles in the face of trouble is either brave or covered with good insurance. <laughs> Maybe, listen to this, troubles teach you two things. How many friends you have and how many people are waiting to catch you bent over. <laughs> These guys were waiting. And you may feel like people are waiting to see when you're going to mess up, when you're going to fall. But I want you to know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the, God is able to keep you from falling. How many times, you know, you hear people say, well, you know, uh, I'm just, they got married and they say they're in love and they say it's God, but we're going to see how long it lasts. Aren't you glad when the Spirit of God allows you to show to them that they were wrong and God is right? But you know, listen, discouragement... And desperation will cause you to get images painted in your mind that will start causing you to lose hope and cause you to be defeated even before you are. Has the enemy ever painted a, played a movie or painted a picture in your mind about how things are going to end? You know, uh, when, back in 1981 when I went to Honduras, my wife and I had been dating two years then, and uh, I went to Honduras for a few months, and I had never flown in a plane before, and so uh, they brought me to the airport in New Orleans, and I went to live in Honduras for a few months with a national pastor there, and I, uh, my dad told me you need to sit over the wing. He even told the lady behind the counter, let him sit over the wing. So I sat over the wing, and we got caught in a storm, and I was 17. It was my first time to fly in a plane. I was by myself. We got in a storm over uh, the Gulf flying towards Honduras, and, and the wings started doing like that. And I thought, you know what? Birds do that. Airplanes aren't supposed to do that. And I started getting scared, and I must have started turning pretty green. I felt like it because the stewardess kept coming to me and said, Are you okay, young man? Oh, yeah. And I was there, and I was feeling sick. And that plane was jumping up and down. Them wings were shaking. It was a foreign plane. And uh, couldn't even pronounce the name of it and flying over the ocean. And all of a sudden, I, I, the enemy says, I'll take advantage of this. He started playing a movie for me. And in this movie, I saw that wing that I was sitting over break. And I saw the airplane fall in the water. And I saw the sharks eating me. 
And so not only was the ride bad, but I saw sharks eating me. I saw the plane crash. And the first thing that came to my mind was, man, that's about right. I'm going to die and some football player is going to start dating my wife and I'll never even get a chance to marry her. That's what I was thinking. And I was on this plane this whole time. This whole scenario is playing in my mind. I'm already dead, eaten by sharks. They'll never find me. I'm in the bottom of the sea. I'm in the shark's belly. And my wife is already dating somebody else and probably married in a year. How many know the enemy are are paint those pictures? But thank God, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God rose up inside of me. And I started shouting back at that picture that was in my mind. I said, Devil, I want you to know right now, the angels of the Lord encamped about me. I'm not going to die but live and declare the works of the Lord. I don't care if this wing does break. The angel is going to grab this plane and carry it to Honduras if they have to. But I'm not going to be eaten by a shark. I'm not going to die. I'm going to get back. I'm going to marry Cindy Fontenot. She ain't going to marry no football player. And I'm going to live my life like that in Jesus' name. Sometimes you've just got to rise up and talk back to those images. Amen, church. You got to talk to those images. You got to talk back, not necessarily to the people who speak words to you, but when they leave, you say, I I bind that in the name of Jesus. I don't have cancer. I don't have the symptom of cancer. I don't have diabetes. No, I bind that in the name. I bind those words. He will restore health and healing to all of my flesh in Jesus' name. Amen, church. So you got to fight the enemy. Now look at this. I love this scripture, Revelation 21, 5. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Now I want you to write that part. I make all things, all things. God's creative power works in the midst of anything. When he said all, he meant all. Everything concerning your, concerning your life means all. And it says, behold, that word behold in the Greek means pay attention to it. Consider it and look at it as if it's done. Write that down. That word behold means pay attention to it. Consider it, that I'm making it new. And look at it. Because why? He makes all things new. You know, a lot of people battle and they say, well, you know, I don't deserve that. I'm just dirt. I just make, mess up, make mistakes all the time. Well, I wanted to tell you something. God made man in his image out of the dirt. Where, how many of you ladies have diamonds and you know diamonds come out of the dirt? How many of you ladies got pearls and how many know pearls come out of the dirt? You know, you can find some of the greatest treasures in the dirt. I'm holding here right now four silver dollars. One is a 1900 Another is a 1921, then I got a 1922, and a 1923. I went to Brother Lee's the other day and, found, and, and Sister Terry's found out that two of them were worth 18 bucks and two of them were worth 15 bucks. You know how I got these? I was in fifth grade playing army outside. I was in the driveway, digging in the driveway for my tanks and my cars, and I found a little can, and I took it inside the house, and my mama didn't know what to do because this can was what they used to call the old specimen can. And some people know what I'm talking about. It's a tin can that you used to have to take something that comes out of your body and put it in that tin can and bring it to the doctor. And the doctor would study it. That's what this can... This can was a manure can. (laughs) But when I opened it, buried in the ground, 
it had some valuable silver dollars. So what I'm saying is it doesn't matter what your life feels like today. He says he's going to dig you out of that miry clay that has you stuck. And he's going to put you upon the rock to stay. Can I hear an amen? He changes things. He changes things. You know, in Huhui, we had this little fellow come to our church. And uh, he was a transvestite. And uh, he was from another state. And he, in that state of Salta, he had won, I called it the pretty boy award. Because I didn't know what else to call it. But dressed up as a woman, he won award as the prettiest boy girl in a bathing suit. So I called it the pretty boy award. Anyway, he dressed up in high heels and dresses and, and he just thought he was a girl. Well, he came to church and got saved and uh, we came against the enemy and he gave his clothes to his girl cousins and started dressing like a boy. And of course, he still had a few things that he would do. And uh, every time he would come up to me, he goes, well, pastor, I'd slap him. <laughs> he goes, pastor, we don't do that. We go like that, or we do like that, or we do like that, but we don't go like that. But it's a habit. Bah! We don't do habits. And so with prayer and a few slaps, that boy's sort of doing pretty good. So how many of you know, God can change anybody and he can take you out of any situation and make you a new person. And before you know it, I didn't see no bent wrist anymore. He started doing pretty good. You know, it just takes a while and it takes work to do some changes in our life like we need it. Y'all are looking at me like he really drunk something this morning. Hallelujah. But you know, they spoke of stoning him. And now this is where I want to get in my message today. I built this up because I'm going to touch something that the enemy hates to hear. One of the hardest thieves, the biggest thieves of joy, is the spirit of religion. They spoke of stoning him, and I want you to take notes here. Stoning spoke of the law. And if there's anything the enemy wants to do nowadays, or as he's always tried to do, he'll try to sneak a spirit of religion camouflaged to work and steal your joy. You see, they went around preaching Jesus plus rituals. Where Paul says, it's always only Jesus. And I want to go first off in Philippians chapter 3, 1 through 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Or what he's saying, he says, you know, I'm going to remind you of some things to keep you from losing ground that God has given you. And you see, Paul was always under attack, and they were always coming against him. And he said, I want to tell you something. I'm in prison. And listen to him. You talk about going around in a circle? Paul had always dreamed. Listen, he had always dreamed about going to Rome to preach. But he never dreamed about going to preach, not as a preacher, but as a prisoner. Have you had some dreams that you thought were going to come to pass and they didn't come out quite the way they wanted to so you gave up on them? Listen, just because it's not the way you expected it doesn't mean that it's not coming yet. Don't you give up on your dreams. You see, the devil will distract you from your destiny and your dream and he'll steal your joy and he'll cause you to fall into a spirit of compromise and religion instead of the life that comes through Christ. And Paul was saying, I may be in chains, I may be in prison, I may be facing execution, but I am still rejoicing. 
But the next verse, Paul changes his tone. Listen to this. It says it three times. Look at that. Beware. 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 Look at your neighbor say, beware. 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 Paul said it three times there. And he says, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of mutilation. That word dog there is a word that he was referring to those who had a religious spirit, those of the religious sect. He was talking about dogs, and that word there means an animal that is not ashamed to do whatever it wants to do when it wants to do it because it's self-absorbed. The spirit of religion is self-absorbed. Listen to this. How many of you ever felt someone judging you because you didn't look the way they looked? How many of you ever felt someone judging you because you didn't act the way they act? Well, you know, if you were a Christian like me, You'd act like I'm acting. You'll do what I'll do. You dress like I dress. You wear your hair like I wear my hair. You wear your sleeves like I wear my sleeves. You know what they're saying? I'm miserable, so I want you to be miserable too. <laughs> That's what that stoning means. I'm miserable, so I want you to be miserable too. They were coming in there, and you know what they were preaching? They were preaching. You weren't born a Jew, so you need to be circumcised. In other words, the blood of Christ, receiving him as Savior is not enough. You got to help God alone. And this word dogs is mutilators of flesh. Wild dogs that run free. They eat anything, including human corpse. They chase and bite people. They're openly disgusting. They hurt people. In other words, they make Christianity look like it's no fun at all. They're miserable. They're out to bite and to fight. There's nothing about the love of Christ really there. It's all about obeying rules so I can make it to heaven instead of accepting what Christ did for me has made the way for me to heaven. It's rules and regulations and, and, and doing things. And the life, Christian lifestyle is lifestyle of humility and loving Christ and not being prideful or self-absorbed and, and not wanting other people to, to be miserable because you're miserable. The spirit of religion, Jesus said, is, is making the word into laws and insisting upon certain church rituals and rites and methods and practices and formulas and that this is the way to dress, this is the way to praise, this is the way to go to heaven, this is the way you've got to do it. And he he says in Matthew 15, 19, and chapter 22, chapter 23, Jesus calls them blind by tradition, error, ignorance of scriptures, power of God, heavy burdens, hypocrisy, love of position, religious works to be seen of men, religious titles, pride, obstruction, hindering others, unbelief, covetousness, swearing, unmercifulness, unfaithfulness, blindness, extortion, uh, death, uncleanliness, iniquity, self-righteousness, murder, lack of perception, and it grievous words, wolves. It goes into all of these different things explaining the spirit of religion. And the reason many times Christians are not walking around with joy is because there's a spirit of religion there. Because what the spirit of religion does, it causes you to fit the bill instead of be like Christ. It causes you to be the, in the image, formed into the image of a denomination instead of being formed into the living spirit of the life of Christ Jesus. 
A spirit of religion comes and pushes itself and, and forms you and molds you and says, this is how you have to look. And instead of allowing the word to divide asunder the flesh and the spirit and to form you after the image of Jesus Christ so that God gets the glory instead of the spirit of religion saying, look what we have made of these people. Look at our disciples. And there's no resemblance of Christ. It's all a resemblance of the denomination and the doctrine. Now, I'm not saying there's something wrong with denominations. I'm not saying there's something wrong with doctrine. We have doctrine. We have the Word of God. But when you put more emphasis on the outward appearance than you do upon the heart, you know what happens? You get complacency. And you get comfortable. And there's a lot of Christians listening by internet or maybe here today. You say, why don't I feel that fire anymore? It's because the spirit of religion pushed you into being comfortable where you are. Instead of just going out there by faith and stepping on the water to find out more about Him. Religion is about rituals. Christianity is about relationship. But when it comes to circumcision, when it comes to rituals and rites, they come around saying, you know what? It's not enough just Christ. You need Christ and circumcision. And Paul got mad and he started talking there. He says, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Can I hear an amen? amen. We're preaching Jesus. Cove circumcision was a covenant of resembling Abraham. Christianity is a covenant resembling Christ. Amen. For we are the circumcision. We worship God in spirit and in truth. Jesus came and he said in Matthew 5, 17 and 18, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. And that's what Jesus came for. Now Philippians 3, 4 through 6. Paul is talking here. He's coming against the religious spirit. And listen, write this down. Be careful for the spirit of legalism. Legalism is substituting rules for relationship. Write that down. Legalism is substituting rules for relationship. There's people that's here today. They were denied membership in other churches because they didn't do the rules of the men. But you go ask Christ if they're a member of the body of Christ and he'll say, they are bought by my blood and they are mine. There are people who live in guilt and have lost joy. Because men have tried to make them after the traditions of men instead of following the power of the Word of God. And so that's why I'm speaking to you today. We live in a religious belt. We live in an area where we have seven denominational headquarters in Pineville and Alexandria. It is state headquarters. We live in a heavy religious area. And you may say, oh, when I got saved, I got religion. No, you got Christ. And they try to confuse it with religion and, and to make a bunch of little uh, Im imitators of, of men where the Holy Spirit wants to make you an, an, an imitator of Christ Jesus. He wants you to be circumcised in your heart. Worship Him in spirit and truth. Go after Him. But legalism substitutes rules for relationship. That we are made right by rules instead of a relationship with Christ. So now I want you to see, Paul gets an attitude. He says, uh-huh. Y'all want to talk? Bring it on. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day. Eighth day represents rites. Rituals. You want to talk about being a, 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 a Jew? 
I was to the letter of rites and rituals. On the eighth day, I was circumcised. I did everything I was supposed to. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. You know what that means? He could trace his lineage all the way to Abraham. Paul said, you want to talk about who's got qualifications? I could show you my lineage all the way to Father Abraham. I lived and completed every ritual and every rite there was. And then he goes on to say, I was a Pharisee. Do you know the Pharisees had 619 rules? I was a Pharisee. 619 rules. You know what one of the rules were? If your chicken laid an egg on Sabbath, you couldn't eat it because that chicken worked on Sabbath. That's the type of rules they have. Isn't that like what men fight over in church? Well, we want a coat rack. Well, I don't think we ought to have a coat rack. Then I'm just going to another church. Spirit of religion. If that chicken lays an egg on Sunday, stick it back up till Monday. You know what was written in the 619 rules? If you got bit by a mosquito, you couldn't scratch it till the next day. Because scratching is works. Oh, I could tell you some Pharisee rules. And you know what? They walked around all prideful. I don't eat an egg laid by a chicken on the Sabbath. I'm a good Hebrew because I don't scratch when a mosquito bites me. I don't swat a fly. And Paul is saying, if you think that's something, you don't know Jesus. If you think it's all about rituals and rules and the spirit of religion saying, if you just follow the rules of the church, you're going to be okay. Jesus said, i got a life that I want you to experience that is full of joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. Now, I want us to see here. He goes on to say, verse 6, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He's saying, you want to talk about it? I've done it all. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Amen? Now I want to show you a Greek word. Say this with me. Skabala. Everybody say it with me. Skabala. Okay, now listen. Every one of you just said a bad word. You just said a bad word and you got to repent. You got to wash your mouth out with soap. Because that word skabala is the word for dung. Or young people would understand the S-bomb. That word is strong. And Paul said, I want to write down everything I did as rites and rituals. And I'm going to write the word skabala on top of it. But listen to this. With all the messages many times we hear today, Paul said this too. I'm going to write down all my successes. I was successful in this and I was successful in that. I did this. I did that. Paul says, I'm going to write down all of my successes. And I'm going to write the word skabala. On top of my successes, on top of my past, on top of my failures, on top of my religion, I'm going to write dung. I don't want to talk about my successes. I want to know Christ. I'm not going to live 
building upon how many churches I've built. I'm not going to build upon how many people I've had saved in my ministry. I'm not going to build upon how many people I've helped. I'm not going to build my ministry talking about how much I've given to the poor. I'm not going to build my ministry upon how many things. Y'all don't even know how many churches we started in Argentina. You want to know why? All the churches, 14 years in Argentina, is Kabbalah. Because that was done in the past and they've continued on. We are here today. I want to know Christ today. I want a deeper relationship today. My relationship is not built upon how many churches we started in Central South America. My relationship is built upon that I met with him this morning. And I had a party. And there's something that came down on the inside of me. And I know that my God is not proud of me. Because what I did in Argentina, my God loves me because I got on my knees and I called him Lord and I called him my glory and magnificent and wonderful I worshipped him today that's what pleased my father today We build so many things. And Paul is saying, I could tell you how many churches I built. I could tell you how many demons I cast out. I could tell you about the power of the shadow and how many were healed. I could tell you about these things. But I'm not rejoicing about what God has done. I'm rejoicing about what God is doing in me. And I'm rejoicing what God is doing in you. And I'm rejoicing about what God is going to do. Because religion will always cause you to live in the past. And I'll prove it to you. How many churches have we been in that the pews were donated by a certain family and their little gold bronze name is on the end? And the family still sit in those pews that their grandparents bought hundreds of years, uh, over a hundred years ago. And if you sit on their pew, you're going to not be kindly asked to move because that pew was bought by my grandma and you're getting out of it now. We sit there. Or about, my grandpa built this church. And I've ran off 50 pastors. Because he won't submit to me. Because my grandpa built this church. Spirit of religion, I always exalt the past. The cross is before us. The world is behind us. If all we do is live on what we've done. Talk about the past. Thank God for what God has done. But the joy comes from knowing there's still more. To come. Amen, church. There's still more to come. And he says, this is Kabbalah. This is dumb. Everything that I counted important. And he says it in verse 9. And be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know Him. That I may know Him. You see, you know Jesus, you'll never fall into religion. Because He's the awesome King of kings and Lord of lords. And there's a newness about Him and a freshness every day. And Paul is saying that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to His death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead that I may know Him. That's what my life is all about. Stopping uh, whatever it takes. Come on. 
Whatever it takes. Listen, church, what's happening in America right now? Whatever it takes to get the church out of its comfort zone and start being real and really become a house of prayer and really become a people of the Lord and really seek that old-time religion about being pure in heart instead of just being as we are, about really seeking God. Paul would be here today. Everybody, What are we going to do about the finances, Paul? What are we going to do about the economic situation? What are we going to do about health care? Paul would say, whatever it takes, bring it on to get us back to where we need to be. The good life caused us to fall into complacency. But I'll shake everything that can be shaken so that all that is left is me. In other words, I want to shake the religion out of the church. I want to shake the comfort zone away from the church. Amen? But he wants you to forget about your failures. He wants you to forget about the success. Don't put emphasis. You are not who you are because of failures and successes. You are because of who Christ is making you to be. Amen? So it's about refocusing our attention on him because religion will trap your senses. It will trap your imagination. It'll, retra- it'll trap the joy of the Lord. Now look at this. Now Isaiah 64, 6 through 8. But we are all like unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. How many of you know, if you're not careful, we'll follow every wind of doctrine? It's a warning here. See yourself under the blood of Jesus. Fade, which means we drift away from God like a leaf. Wind, every wind of doctrine. Verse 7. And there is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, somebody shout, but now. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter and we are the work of your hands. Hallelujah. That's That's when we humble ourselves, rebuke and bind every form of religion, complacency, comfort, and say, Lord, I'm just clay in your hands. I want to follow your perfect will. I want to hear your heartbeat. I want to know what you have for me to do. I don't want to live a life religiously. I want to live life in the spirit and in truth. I want to know you. I want to be intimate. That word no means the intimacy between a married man and his wife. I want to intimately know you. I don't want, listen, it means I don't want to know you as a textbook God. I want to know you as my father. I don't want to know you as a textbook God. I want to know you as my father. You can study about Arlington. And the changing of the guard in textbooks is one thing. But when you go there in person and you see the changing of the guard, you've lived it instead of read about it. It's the same way when you want to know God. You can read about God. You can read about Christ Jesus and His power. But He wants you to to experience it for yourself. Amen? It's not that he loves you more because you follow the rules. He loved you. That's why he gave you Jesus. 
He loves you because you belong to His Son. Religion leaves us in an uncertainty of how we are in Christ. But 1 John 5.13 says that you may know Him. And by knowing Him, that you may know that you have eternal life. That's why we are here today. We're not offering, if you walked in here, shake my hand. Shaking my hand and coming down and being baptized doesn't make you a believer. Confessing with your mouth and believing your heart. Confessing, I am a sinner. I need to be saved. I want to make a public confession and have witnesses that I'm making a decision today. Give my life to Jesus. But rituals, just to do them, doesn't change your life. It doesn't make God love you more. We don't take communion because it's a habit. We take communion because it's life and it's a remembrance of the life that he gave us. I don't say my prayers because it's a ritual. I say my prayers because I want to talk to my father and I want my father to talk to me. I don't sing because everybody else is singing. I sing because I came to sing for my king no matter what. I don't go to church because that's the thing to do on Sunday morning. And I was raised that way. My mom and dad took me to church on Sunday morning. And that's just what you do on Sunday morning. Well, I don't go to church on Sunday morning because that's what my mom and dad taught me. I go to church every time I can because I want another opportunity to gather in the midst of the brethren. And know that when two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, there I am with you. It's not about completing a ritual. It's about being wholeheartedly sold out to God that I may know Him. And you may be here today and all maybe you've known and it's maybe not even your fault. Maybe all you've known is rituals and, and religion. But the Holy Spirit wants to turn you on to life. He wants to feel you that our works are rubbish and our works are nothing. It's what we do in and for Christ and with Him. Co-laborers with Christ. Working of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Dear saying to God, if you feel empty, if you feel like reading your Bible and praying is empty, then you need to bind any form of the spirit of religion. You can do it. He says, I give you the keys of the kingdom. That you may know that I am, as Peter said, I am Lord and I am God and I'm King. I've given you the keys that whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose is loosed. Don't allow the spirit of religion to distract you and make you, bring you to a comfort zone. Because that's exactly what happened to the church there in Revelation. They got comfortable and he says, you're sleeping, you're lukewarm, and I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I'm looking for a church that's red hot. I'm looking for a church that's beyond rituals and routine and doing it just to do it. I'm looking for people who are excited about coming to church. People who are excited about serving me. People who love me. People who care about me. And you may say today, but I don't feel that way. Well, I've got good news for you. You can. The Holy Spirit knows how to teach you how to fan the flame. He, he, he's the oil that causes the fire to burn brighter. He's the oil that causes the fire to burn to a point where the demonic forces flee before you. He's the anointing that burns up the yoke and lifts the burden. I tell you, my Christ is real. I followed him for 39 years. And I've never left him and I'll never leave him because he is the love of my life. And when I got saved, I didn't get religion. I got Jesus. 
I might have been six years old, but I grabbed that preacher's hand and he says, do you have a stomachache? I was crying. He says, do you have a stomachache? I said, no, I want Jesus. He had my dad take me to the kitchen to see why I was crying so much. And my dad was saying, son, what's wrong? I said, I want Jesus. He says, son, but you got Jesus. What else? I want Jesus. And that happened to me. In 1969, and I still can stand here before you today, and I can tell you, I want Jesus. I want more of Him. I want to be more like Him. People say, you don't act like a preacher. I'm not going to act like a preacher, because that's all dumb. I want to act like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to be happy. It's like I told you, people say, I don't want to go to church, because everybody in there looks like a bunch of undertakers. We ought to be the happiest people in the world. We ought to be the most joyful in the world. And you say, but you know, you don't know my problems. Yeah, then you don't know my Jesus. Because Paul, from in the prison, Paul, from in the prison, he was chained, he was bound, but he stood can rejoice and encourage others even in his troubles. That's the life. You see, that's what I'm telling you today. The devil hates this type of preaching. He's tried making you sleep eight naps already. You don't want to hear that. Just be religious and go to sleep. Why don't you hear, listen to that for? You know why? Because religion is the most dangerous trick of the devil to the church. It'll cause you to be the disciples who sleep when Jesus was saying, can you not watch with me? Complacency. Sleeping. So I want to invite you, would you stand, please?